Welcome to the Connected Calm Life. My name is Lane Kennedy. I live in long-term recovery and I love sharing about recovery. I'm really glad you're here. If you have not jumped into the Connected Calm Life community, I want to invite you to do that now. We have a retreat coming up. It's going to be delightful. We have weekly gatherings, coursework in there to get your calm life on and everything you need to live your best sober, recovered life. All right, friends, let's get into today's episode and make sure that you share this episode with a friend or two or three. All right. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. I'm excited to be with you and I have three beautiful co-hosts today. Special episode. As always, the first of the month, we talk about time. This is time takes time. We live in long-term recovery and we gather around in this special format, a panel and talk about long-term recovery and what it takes and how do we stay and why do we stay? And this month we're focusing on honesty. So the conversation will revolve around honesty and I'm glad that you're with me. And of course I am joined with my co-host, Elise. Elise. Hey, my name's Elise uh, and I am the founder of The Sober Curator and one of Lane's best friends that she's never met in real life. I love that. And then we also have Arlena. Hey, so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And Jess. Hello. Nice to be with you all. I'm excited. I love that. Thanks for being here with us and for taking the time out of your day to talk about this topic, honesty. And we're going to jump right in. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about honesty because when I was new new in recovery, I didn't have a, like this idea of what that meant. Uh, I knew that I was supposed to, um, like if somebody gave me an extra 20 and change, that I would give that back. But then honesty started turning out to about like, well, did I put money into the basket or not? Um, did I brush my teeth every day? Uh, did I pay my bills on time? Uh, honesty kind of really started to seep out into my life. And so I want to go back in time for a minute, just to share with, you know, what was your process of discovering what living an honest life meant? Is that good? Yeah. At least you want to kick us off. And this is an open conversation. So it's not me asking the questions, right? It's everybody has their voice and means a lot. So I really appreciate conversation. At least can kick us off though. So fun fact, I don't know if you know this lane, but <gasps> uh, the name Elise means honest one. Oh. <laughs> and um, when I was a kid, my mom would tell me that's the meaning of my name. And she was like, in my experience, um, when you have your name, one of two things happen. You will either live in to the truth of your name mm -hmm. or you will very much rail against it. And your life will be much easier if you lean in into your name. I, of course, did not listen to my mother. Um, and so, uh, right. And I, so I very much railed against it. And lying was my, honestly, my drug of choice. Mm -hmm. if, mm. if I'm being real. Right. Um, and I would be offended 
mm-hmm. when people didn't believe my lies. Like, so offended. Like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. And so, so it took several years in early recovery for me to peel back the layers of honesty and, and get real with being honest in all of my affairs. Um, and I still, like when you were talking about even some of the examples that you talked about, I still get excited when I pay my bills on time every month. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this now for like almost 16 years, but like mm-hmm. that doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. There's still like, I even don't even set auto payment to some things because I just like the power of paying on time. Like, even though it'd be easier just to have automatic happen. But um, so honesty shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, But I still like, if I'm being honest, I still have a natural compulsion to lie. Mm. I have a natural compulsion to want to take things that aren't mine. Um, And so odd, right? Like I have that same thing. Like there'll be a lineup of coffees or drinks and I'll be like, oh, I should have got the large. Maybe I should just take that one. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Well, and I used to, when I would go shopping, I would, I would justify my sticky fingers, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I have an item on the bottom of the target cart and they don't see it and ring it in, that's just them not doing their job. That's not my Mm -hmm. fault. Uh Right. Okay. Well, if I'm hiding it on the bottom of the (laughs) cart where that poor cashier who's been working all day with how many people doesn't see it, who's not being honest there. Right. So it's a big victory. If I get out to my car and I've paid for all the items in my cart, right. Big victory. But I have a lot of those victories now because I got, excuse me, really tired of making amends to places like Target and Michael's. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, I think it brings up a lot of good points. And Arlena, you're sober how long? Um, I got, well, 27. I got yeah. sober April 23rd of 94. Um, so you're coming up on a milestone, which I is am. great. So let's go back to this first realization of like, oh, I have to be honest about this. Do you, do you remember the first time you were like, you know, what's interesting is when I did the uh, four step for the first time, that was a, like a very pragmatic, practical way of me breaking down my thinking. And it was like a revelation where I was like, oh my God, I'm this lying. <laughs> I mean, I was, I knew I was lying about some things, right? Like I was, I didn't think of it this way then, but I realized now it was all about image management. It was very important to me to manage how you saw me, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't realize that the root of that was dishonesty. Mm. It wasn't about who I really was. I just wanted to try to manage. And truth be told, I mean, you look at me and you're like, uh, I know all about you. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like I was even hiding it very well. Mm-hmm. But it was just all self-delusion. I wasn't being honest with myself, really. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I was so disconnected from who I was. I didn't even know I didn't even know I was lying until I had a process to like the writing process and that's yep. when Yeah. You know it's like that awkward moment where you realize you're the asshole. Uh, <laughs> Arlena, you, I mean, come on. Here. <laughs> talk. Yeah. It still happens occasionally. It still happens. <laughs> right? Still happens. They say we shouldn't deceive our deceive ourselves more the easiest to deceive or son mm-hmm. Richard Feynman said it beautifully that very different from how I just said it. But do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like it was like the self it's like I have all these feelings and I just want to I want I need you to meet my needs. 
So I'm going to try to manage how you see me. So that's kind of that. I feel like that was like the first, my first like aha moment where I was like, wow, I've been so dishonest and I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Like I was aware of like, I, I lied to you about, yeah, I did sleep with that guy when I said I didn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. Okay. So Jess, do you relate to any of this? How long are you sober? What's your, what are you sober? You're sober. I used to be calling Jess. So that's, this is neat, but. Jesse. Jesse. But yeah, you can call me Jess. That's okay too. Um, what was the question? How long are you sober? Uh, 16 years. Beautiful. I just like our listeners to know where the range is here. And as Arlena was sharing, could you relate to anything? Yeah. I mean, I could relate to what Elise said too about, you know, lying was my drug of choice. You know, it's, it's, um, we don't really think about that in, in addiction recovery too much is about the emotional addictions. We talk about the, the physical addictions all the time, alcohol, coffee, drugs, methamphetamine, but we don't talk about the emotional addictions that really mm-hmm. run the world and probably is the biggest addiction in the world besides food addiction is I would say emotional addiction. So when I heard lying is, is the drug of choice, it's, it's like these addictions are rampant even in long-term recovery is mm-hmm. these emotional addictions. So it just really hit home. And yeah, I mean, when I think about what Arlena said about managing how people see me, you know, that's really like, for me, it's manipulation. I'm really manipulating people um, because I'm trying to get them to see something that's not true. So I'm manipulating them into that through coercion, whatever I'm trying to do, whatever, whatever story I'm telling the world or controlling them or protecting my pain. So I think um, I definitely relate to, to both um, to both of you of what you shared. And um, yeah, for me, I mean, you know, honesty at 22 versus honesty today is, is very different. You know, um, what I understood to be honesty at 22 was survival mode. I was in survival mode. So it was getting my needs met no matter what at any cost. And uh, so that wasn't being very honest. And today, you know, um, Honesty is something that like, it just goes along with integrity. It goes along with how I show up, you know, like, am I really this person when I shut this camera off? Am I really doing the things I'm saying? Am I really, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, am I really doing the things I say? That's really, to me, that's what honesty is, is, is when I'm feeding into someone's energy and I'm feeling them out or they're feeling me out. Am I really meeting this person, the real person, the authentic true self? And that's to me the honesty I look for is just that authentic person and, and really get into the core, which can ruffle feathers a little bit. But it's I'd rather go there than be surface layer. So that's the honesty I look for today versus maybe at 22. So can you give an example, a personal example for yourself, like how you show up today versus when you were 22? Like in our early recovery, again, I talk about, you know, like not paying my bills and at least touched on that too. So when you were first finding recovery, what would be an example of the manipulation, so to speak? Do you have a story that you could share? There's so many um, examples of manipulation. I mean, you know, to get my needs met at that time, you know, I could, I could really tell a story of like how my life was. So even just by storytelling, I could be manipulating by being like, and this happened to me and then that happened to me and you need to feel bad for me and having this story of like, 
like wrapping people into a story of my life, which was true to some extent, but not even like feeling into their life and what they've been through. It's like, you ain't the only one that's been through trauma. You're not the only mm-hmm. one who's been through, but, but not understanding that at the time. So that was really the manipulation is like, and it was, una- it, and it was me not being conscious of it too, right? I wasn't conscious mm-hmm. that like my pain is not the only pain in the world. You know, I really mm-hmm. thought that's what we do. We become a vacuum and it's all about us. And so that was an example of dishonesty is just really making it all about me and my recovery and what I needed. And I think to some extent it's important, but it's also important to recognize that like, you know, helping others is the foundation stone of my recovery. So really looking at like, Hey, you know what, this did happen to me, but also like, what about you too? You know, like I have a lot of pain. So I think early on there was a lot of like, um, kind of abandoning, um, other people's feelings from my own. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think in a way, you know, that's good, but we also want to honor that. Like I can learn a lot from you by shutting up and just being like, Hey, tell me about your adversities and pain and all that. So I think that's, I think that's where we learn our lessons, right? Like I really learn from people when they're super messy. Right. So I didn't realize that until I got into my twenties because I looked really good. Like I had it all together. 10 years, I was on point. I wore the right clothes. I had the guy on my arm. I took my 10-year chip. I was like, yes, I'm in it to win it. Right. So fast forward to, you know, 22 and I'm, I'm like literally dying, falling apart, breaking, and finally raising my hand saying, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And, and mind you, I was doing sober life, right? I was serving working with others, doing all, all the life. And there's something about hmm, showing up as our real selves takes time. Arlena. Amen. I I was, I was going to ask you, is that at 22 years sober, you kind of had that fall apart moment? Well, I had the fall apart moment at 22 years old. No, no, no. No, I had a fall apart moment in sobriety when mm-hmm. I was t- between 18 and 20. Yeah. Because that's when I started my practice. When uh-huh. I was like, this like, this is not enough for me. Right? Yes. I am ready to like cut the cord here because yeah. <laughs> I can't handle it. Right. And that kicked me off into really exposing myself in a whole new way. Because I was so used to just showing up and I've got it together and I know how to do everything and I look really good and I'm doing all the things. And even my mentor was like, um, wait a minute, are you sure you're okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I was like the queen of I'm fine (laughs) until I wasn't fine anymore. And so now I'm about like just bringing my A game in a really messy way. And Siobhan, who I've had on Time Takes Time a lot, talks about the manure in her life. Remember that, Elise? She talked about all the poop and how, like the more the fertilizer, poop, the fertilizer, the more for like the better her life is, right? Like the beautiful, more beautiful it becomes. And, and that's time. Like she's 35, 36, like she's got a lot more time than me. But there's what I'm finding over my time is that the messier I become, the more authentic to Jesse's point. I'm being, and then there's something really beautiful that arrives. Does that make sense? 
Arlena? Absolutely. Arlena? Yeah. It's yes, so funny. Guys. Cause as you were talking about how, you know, you had that experience of like, I got this, I got my shit together. I have never had that experience. I, you know what I mean? I'm like, Tell me more. Well, I'm like this. I'm like this. You know what? I decided early in my recovery, I saw some people that, um, had time and relapsed oh. and I was, mm-hmm. that was terrifying to me. Yep. And I was like, I am never going to be that person that says I got this. Cause I thought that that would be the thing that would take me out. Mm. And I was so terrified of relapsing that I've kind of, and I, and listen, let's, let's be honest. I, I mean, there are times when I feel like um comfortable or secure, but um, I'm, I've totally made recovery my whole life. Like I barely mm. know people who drink and the people I coach are, are surprised. To, they tell me, Oh, all my friends drink. And I was like, none of mine drink, you know, just cause mm-hmm. I've, created this environment where I'm only surrounded mostly by people who are sober and in recovery. But, um, I never, I never felt like I got this and I kind of like to live in that place of, I like those, the feeling of that aha moment or, and this is kind of a funny thing. It's like, you know, I was completely self-centered, but incapable of self-examination when I first got sober. And then when I discovered this process of self-examination and I would get these revelations about me, you know, I think, you know, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off kind of a thing. And, uh, but I had a, to- I had a tolerance for that because I used to hate who I was. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to search for the things that were a problem. So I could change or be different. And, you know, the ironic thing there is that it's self-acceptance and self-love that allows me to change. It's like, okay, wait, I'm lovable exactly as I am, but I can also evolve at the same time. But I just kind of adopted this um, way of living. It's like, oh, where am I fucked up? Let's find that and, and fix it. And it's so exciting when I get these revelations and, and, continue to evolve. That's the thing I was taught we either evolve or devolve. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm always looking for the, and the whack-a-mole thing, like we, the character defects or human frailties, shortcomings, whatever you want to call them. When those pop up, you know, it's like, how can I prevent that from happening? So it's a little bit of like constant damage control, but it's like, feels like a different kind of image management, right? Like I, I still don't want to be a jerk or hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of how I've been running it for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Elise, were you going to say something? Mm. I was thinking about the, how the people that you surround yourself with does change over time. Like I do have friends that drink or drink normally, um, but they do get there are less and less of them in my inner, inner circle as time goes on. Um, I don't know. I had an interesting situation happen last week or the week before where I was out to dinner with a group of coworkers, management team, and it was a celebration of sorts, right? And these are people that I've worked with for over five years. So they've never known me to drink. Mm -hmm. And Um, as we sat down, the gentleman to my left was like, oh, this must be really hard for you. And I was like, leaving my house. Yeah. I didn't love it. (laughs) Didn't love it to be honest, putting on pants. Didn't love it. Um, and he was like, no, you know, and I'm like, oh, you mean sitting between you two? And he, you know, I was not going to give him, I was going to make him say it. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, Mm -hmm. say it. 
Um, and he's like, no, being around all the alcohol, it must be really hard for you. Was he whispering um, it? Like you should be, yes, like, like it should father. be like, like he was talking about cancer. You know how everybody <laughs> whispers and I I've had cancer. So I can say that oh, like shit. everybody whispers when they talk about cancer. So it was like, no, I, I have driven you home when you've been too drunk. Why are you saying this to me? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like uh, why is not drinking more embarrassing than you being a drunk ass that you had to you know, people were so confused. It was, it was so bizarre, especially because this is someone that has, I've been around them many times not drinking and I've been around them drinking and it's never been an issue. So why, I don't know. It was very bizarre. And then as the night went on, there just more of those kinds of situations kept happening to the point when we went for the group cheers to toast the gentleman to my right, I went to, to clink glasses. He moved his glass. And I was like, at first I was like, that, that was an accident, right? That was an accident. So I cheered somebody else's and I came back around. I swooped back around with my glass, tried to get him again. He moved his glass again because he, it's, he believes that it's bad luck to cheer someone with, without alcohol in their glass. Right. But I was just like, honestly, what is wrong with you people? Right. (laughs) Honest, like I just was just like, oh, this is why I don't want to hang around drinkers because they don't make any sense to me anymore. Um, and I'm trying to practice love and tolerance in all ways, but I don't know. I do become less tolerant for the drinkers in my life. Um, but I can, I mean, we're free to go wherever we want, right? Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. to be like mm-hmm. going to that dinner was not challenging for me, but if for some reason I hadn't been in spiritual shape to go that day, I simply wouldn't have gone because I have that freedom to to speak my truth and say, honestly, today's not a good day for me to be in that environment. And it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just weird how other people's stuff comes up against us. No matter, it's it's not like I've been sober for 30 minutes, right? I've been sober for as long as they've known me and they still thought it was some kind of issue. Um, I don't and know. Now, if you were not spiritually fit, how do you think that would have gone down? Oh, I would have been so kind. I mean, I was still a little bit snarky. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, I was still kind of dishing it back a little bit. But I was still, for the most part, I was still, I didn't let it ruin my evening. I had a great time. Um, And when the waiter came over, I asked, because we were at a relatively fancy restaurant. And I I asked, by any chance, do you have this, this, or this? Some non-alcoholic brands. Uh, And the, the waiter, his eyes lit up like saucers. He was like, we do. We just got those in and no one has ever asked for them, right? And I was like, let me be your trendsetter, you know? Was it like non-alcoholic <laughs> beer yeah, or wine? it was Seedlip. Seedlip, the non-alcoholic spirit oh. alternative. So they brought me different mocktails throughout the whole evening, you know? So at least I had a, a cool glass and I, in theory, I should have fit in with everyone at that table, but they still made it, they still made it not quite, Right because they knew there was an alcohol in the glass. So I was still treated a little bit differently. Yeah. I think that's so, it's fascinating how society ha- alienates us, right? The, the, the drinkers, instead of just all of us being able to co-mingle and be okay with each other, it just, it does become about the alcohol and what's in your glass. So right. Jesse, have you been around others who have had that experience? Yeah, yeah. I have a, a little bit of an experience uh, with this topic and, uh, you know, I can share something that happened that changed everything for me. A few things changed everything for me with my perspective with all of this is one was uh, one of my closest friends in long-term recovery decided to explore alcohol 
and different mind-altering substances with great success. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to watch something that I vehemently, almost like as a fundamentalist, really despised that that could be possible to yeah. watch it happen and then watch it happen with other people too in long-term mm -hmm. recovery. Once that, once that opened, I was like, whoa, I didn't even know that place existed. So I think for so me- So they were, they were sober long-term and then they decided to explore drinking again. Yes, yes. Okay. But now from the place of their life where it is today versus where it was in the past, which is right. no purpose, depression, low self-worth, diagnoses, all yeah. that was gone now. So now they're coming from a place of intention, of purpose, mm -hmm. of willingness to help mm -hmm. to curate and change the world. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have that early on. So like, mm -hmm. why did we drink to begin with? Why did we use substances to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's once he had purpose and a business and the things that were running well for him, he said, I'm going to explore this because my soul is calling me to do that which is pretty controversial in the world of this world of addiction, recovery, and sobriety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now this is someone that I will sit down with at a restaurant. He'll have a beer and drink half of it. He'll have a margarita and drink half of it. That's and I get to wash it firsthand and be like, what's so really wasteful. happening here? So wasteful. <laughs> so, <It's> just wasteful. <laughs> right, right, right. But the, like, the point is that like, there's a lot of experiences that have happened to me that has redefined um, and this has happened many times over the last 16 years, redefine my definition of what recovery is, what sobriety is, what, so I, I've really been challenged and I don't even believe it was me. I believe it's just my soul. It's the evolution of like, this is what you need to see. And, and now I have one of my closest friends who he does all this successfully and he's a very successful person. So, you know, so um, I'm not saying that you should go out and try this, people who are listening. This guy has long-term recovery. He has established himself. He has a purpose. He's living from that purpose. There's many, many friends he has to support him. So if you're in early recovery listening to this, this is not an invitation to experiment. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the longer I stay in recovery and I'm open to this, I see things that I never would have been open to see before. And mm -hmm. now I see them. Um, I, I have a whole different renewal and perspective for um, people who are in recovery who are now drinking or people who are never in recovery, who never say they had an addiction to alcohol or drugs or any of that. And I can almost be normal. I can be in public and just feel a part of where I never felt a mm -hmm. part of, even throughout mm -hmm. my entire recovery, especially before my recovery. Now I can really go out to a, a restaurant that has a bar and I could just be in the energy and not be judgmental or holding this superiority that I'm in recovery. I can just be there. And, and this took a while for that to happen, but that's, that's where I'm at today with it, to, to see that perspective. That's... That's really interesting. I had a similar experience where it was a woman who I actually sponsored uh, for several years. And then she ended up working at the company that I was running at the time. So I was like, I can't, I'm your boss's boss. I can't be your sponsor anymore. So if you want this job, great. You've earned it on your own, but I, we won't work together in this way anymore. Fine. Uh, so time went on and, and eventually the day came that she came in and she's like, I just wanted to let you know I've decided that I'm not an alcoholic anymore and I'm, I'm going to start drinking, but out of respect, I wanted to let you know, because we, you've spent so much time with me over the years. I just want to let you know that I made this decision. And I was just kind of like, 
but you're definitely an alcoholic. You know, I was like, what? But I was just like, okay, thanks for letting me know. Right. And time went on and it seemed like she had no consequences from this Mm -hmm. decision. And it was interesting how I reacted to it. I started getting a resentment and then at her, well, then that, well, if she's fine, maybe then I would be fine. Like it really, I made it about me, right. As we do. Um, and in, in her, in, in, in this particular case, it came to a head and it was not a good decision for her. And, (laughs) and, but now she's got another big chunk of time under her belt. So Mm -hmm. it's exactly played out what needed her for her to play out. But it was Mm -hmm. interesting how, I, how I reacted to it. So I really commend you, Jesse, for being able to, and this was, uh, this was five, six, seven years ago. So I would hope now that if I was put in the same situation, I would make it less about myself and just be more open and accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when we're now in the day and age where, you know, there's a lot of talk about harm reduction and there's a lot of different paths and ways. I know what works for me. I, I, I try not to mess with it too much. But who am I to say what does or doesn't work for someone else? It's not my, it's not my place. Oh, gosh, the conversation is changing so much. I, I love that we're talking about this. I, uh, the, the ayahuasca thing that came onto the scene and people are, you know, I have friends in long-term recovery that were uh, going to like new life ayahuasca public figures uh, that were, you know, doing this and coming back and being like, wow, it's not it's not, um, it's not getting high. It's like 10 years of therapy in a weekend or in a few days. And I was like, hot damn, I want to try this. And so my husband's 33 years or something like that. Um, and I was like, we should totally do this. And he's like, absolutely not. He's like, that's good. You know, his whole mindset was very, um, uh, old school and rigid and, you know, I finally came to, I would really love to do it, honestly, but, uh, I came to the conclusion that, you know, for me, like my life is good. I'm in a long term. I met my husband when I was five months sober. So far, so good. We have a very peaceful, loving household. Our kids are good. Like, you know, I'm in a great financial, like there's like, why, why would I jeopardize? Actually, I still totally want to do it. That's, that's the truth. (laughs) But (laughs) <laughs> there's a honesty for you I would love because uh it's challenging it's hard to break down the ego to get those self-realizations like I'm a self-realization junkie to some extent but um I just figured it wasn't worth the risk you know because I you know when I look back at how I drank and used it was I was gross I was very you know, very sick. And I don't know, like Jesse's friend that has all this long-term recovery and did all this healing and stuff and did fine. I've had friends, um, over the years who've decided to give it a go mm-hmm. and I've watched their lives. And I wouldn't say that they had like the challenges that they experienced in their lives, you know, just cause I'm sober doesn't mean my life is perfect, you know? And I look at my friends who are sober just cause they're sober doesn't mean their lives are without challenges. Right. Like but, um, my friends that have drank, you know, they, they seem like within normal, like they, they still, you know, some did some things, but whatever, but I see sober people do crazy shit too. So I don't think that that's the variable that determines whether your life is crazy or not. Right. Jesse looks like he wants to say something. 
<laughs> oh, um, no, it's just it's just funny that the conversations that are happening in today's world of addiction recovery are very different than they were even two years ago. For sure. So it's it's there's something happening, and there's um, there's just a lot of discussions I've had with all different types of people in the space, and I'm just really just watching what's happening with with really this lens of like what we're doing right now is not working. And anyone who says it is, um, I'd have to have a conversation with them because we have an increase of decline of mental health. We have so many issues happening with over, it's only getting, where, have you checked Vancouver, Canada lately? Have you seen what's happening in Cleveland, Ohio and different places? I mean, it is not getting better. So it's, so I look at it like, what can we do as people in long-term recovery, as mm -hmm. entrepreneurs mm -hmm. in recovery and mm -hmm. say, what can we do to help? What can we do to really see what are these new options that are available that are coming in, even at a legal, they're going to be legal soon, some of these things you mentioned. Um, and it's, it's just like, for me, I, I'm just, I'm in a place because not even, and, and, and to be honest, it's like, it doesn't even feel like a choice. These people like were super close to me and this thing, and these things happen. And I was just like, am I, am I going to abandon them or am I going to come on this journey with them and really learn from them? And I've decided to learn from them and it has only increased my life, my business, the people I served. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, this is so interesting. I never would have predicted this two, three years ago. And I don't think anyone would have actually. So I think, well, maybe some actually, but I think that where we're at today, it's, it's just so interesting to see what's happening. And I'm just, I, I'm just sitting here like you, like I don't have all the answers. All I have is my experience. And mm -hmm. then what I can do is I can stay open, be authentically curious and see what else is out there in the different versions of what people call not just recovery, what they call wellness, what they call well-being and what that is for them. Because I personally believe every person is in recovery. And, and the reason I say that is because every person on the human journey has trauma, every single one of us. So I say, you're in recovery from something. It might be trauma. It might be emotional addictions. It might be food. It might be whatever it is for you. So I look at it like, if we're going to start to come out and really help people as a whole and be tribal again and bring wholeness, we got to stop, to me, categorizing people like, okay, there's these people here and these people here and these people. Mm -hmm. here. It's like, well, what if we could all help each other out and, and really learn and crowdsource different solutions to share to all? And it might not work for you, but the beauty in the solutions is in the diversity in the solutions. So we don't have to. So I'll get off the soapbox here in a minute, but I'm just <laughs> saying that, that this is where I'm at today. And I work with drug courts. I work with treatment centers, sober living residences. I work with entrepreneurs. I work with movies and all kinds of different aspects. And I get to see the lenses of all the things. And I'm not seeing every lens, but I'm seeing many. And I'm like, whoa, there's something changing here. And it's, it's really interesting to see it. That seems like what Elisa's doing. You're the sober curator. I see all kinds of stuff that you do. I eat I content, for lunch. Like, I content, content for lunch. Like content for lunch. It's just all I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, so it I, is trying to create a, just, it's trying to create a space where, where everything is okay. I just, I love what you said, Jesse. I, I, we just have to be open and, um, and accepting 
right? And and without judgment. But here's the here is the here is the issue, Elise. <laughs> okay. Here comes Lane. Here she comes. Well, you, and you you brought it up, you know, because you gave us that beautiful example of you and the person that you had worked with, and how you were judgmental. Mm-hmm and yeah. concerned, right? Yeah. And so there is this old paradigm or this old thinking. Um, I had worked with somebody, uh, God, it's been probably eight years ago now. And she uh, started smoking pot, right? And I was, ex- I was like, you start over day one, do it. And, and, and there was such a co- like conflict because I was so wrapped up in this sense of like, there's only one way or there's this one path, the traditional path of recovery. And that is harmful. It's detrimental because just like what Jesse was talking about, there are all these new, these new pathways that we don't know. But what we do know is that we have more and more and more people under stress and addicted and dying from alcoholism and alcohol use disorder. So the person, your friend, Jesse, as you were talking and sharing, I was thinking about how, you know, they identified, self-identified, I'm an alcoholic, I need recovery. Is that yes or no? And now they're in this place of saying, I'm free from alcohol and I've gone on this new discovery path. Yeah? Several years, yeah. And, And I think, you know, our audience, people who listen to this and watch this are all stages of recovery. And it's, I don't want to paint a picture of like, this is a go start taking ayahuasca. Like I personally don't, I haven't seen enough evidence to say that that works and it's a hundred percent. I just haven't. And there's nothing that's a hundred percent though. That's the problem. Right. It's like, we have to find our way, but we do know that there are several uh, more traditional ways, I guess, than like, I don't know about the MDA, MDMA, like how long does that course going to work? Like even the, even our Zoom uh, sober babies that are all of a sudden getting sober on Zoom, like, is that going to, um, is that going to last? Is it going to hold them? Are they going to be able to sustain their recovery? I don't know. Like the jury is out on all of this, I think. Anybody have anything to say about that? The Zoom, the Zoom. I have, you know, I know a whole bunch of people who got sober on Zoom over the last couple of years. And yep. So I feel like there's like sobriety, like getting sober and, and then there's recovery. To me, they feel different. You know, and I think that the getting sober part, it's like, I am in the grips of this thing. My life is a disaster. I want to get off it. I can't, that just kind of starts the journey. Right. And then to me, recovery is about as you remove the substances that are sort of like tweaking your dopamine reward system Mm -hmm. and all these, all Mm -hmm. these neurochemical circuits, right. Different things that, um, you know, they say it's better to maintain abstinence while you're sort of healing right. And going to more of a homeostasis, um, that you can like learn more and heal. And, you know, it's like a combination of things, but that's just the beginning. Like sober is just the beginning, but it's so interesting. You know, I I see the cautionary tales of the people who come back. I don't see the success stories of the people who don't come back because they don't come back to say, Hey, by the way, 
It's amazing. Right. Life is right. amazing. Drinking, it's amazing. Like we don't see those things. I just see the people who come back. So, but for me, it comes back down to why? Why would I? What? Why would I risk that? I, I don't mm-hmm. feel the need to risk it to feel a part of. Um, I have a tendency to assume that everybody likes me. So maybe that's my thing. It's like, I just assume we're going to be friends because <laughs> I love everybody. I just assume everyone's going to like me. So I don't really feel excluded, but I'm, maybe I'm a weirdo that way. Do you guys still feel like, like, even in the, I was in tech sales where everybody drank all the time and I would mm-hmm. go out with these people who were drinking and I would just kind of get high off their energy sometimes. You know, once they start repeating themselves profusely and being stupid, then I go, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's sobriety where you just got to get out of the grips and then there's recovery. We start to, oh, look, I can grow and evolve and heal all that trauma. Like Jesse was saying, everyone's recovering from something, you know, it's then that, that is the more interesting question. Not can I risk hurting myself to drink, have a glass of wine? Like, I don't get that. I don't like, what's the point? I don't really get that. And does this where this honesty thread comes back into play? right? And really listening to that innermost self, that innermost like tiny little voice of like, well, if I go out on this trip, like your friend, Jesse, and really staying present and like, he's learned, obviously that's what I'm hearing is that he's learned the skills that are necessary in today's world that are, it's so demanding, so overwhelming to live differently. Yes. That's what's really... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was just coming back to this on it, this thread of honesty of like really checking in and being it's, it goes back to my, you know, what I preach all day about being mindful and really changing the way that you're seeing the world, experiencing the world. And it's, it's honesty. Yeah. And I want to mention that this was very, very calculated. This uh-huh. was not like, oh my God, I'm in a relapse spiral and I'm falling into this cycle of depression. No, 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 no. This was mm-hmm. This was very calculated. And that might even sound strange because people say, well, my relapse was calculated and I still was a disaster. But uh-huh. that's not what I'm saying. He had tremendous self-regulation techniques, yeah. tremendous meditative yeah. for years, to all yeah. these things for him to then consciously make the decision. And then even today he will say, I don't even like drinking, but if I'm out, mm-hmm. I might have one and he can do it. And it's amazing. But the thing is, is like... So not confused. everyone is him. Not everyone <laughs> is you. Not everyone is Arlene and not everyone is Elise. So, so yeah. this is just a perspective and yeah. it's, and it's one that comes from someone who had long-term recovery, but also did the work. Tremendous work. What's that? What's the point though? If you do like, Oh, so calculated. Oh, it just sounds exhausting. Like why not just, <laughs> why? What's why? the good point? Arlene? <laughs> what's, what's the point? I don't get that. Well, you'd have to ask him, right? I yeah. I can speak for him, but you know, he's a, you know, he's somebody who's did very, you ask, did you ask him like, why, why would you spend so much time and energy like calculating and thinking about it and justifying? Like, did you ask him like, why? I was with him every step of the way. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did he say? It's a deep conversation. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a conversation yeah. that's not as simple and black and white as like sobriety and recovery or the, well, it's, it's, it's a deeper there conversation. Is. There it is. <laughs> there it is, Jesse. The, the, the people who are in this for long-term recovery, the conversations change. I think that is what I'm experiencing 
is that my recovery is evolving and changing as to Arlena's point uh, of like, everybody just likes me and you're in, you're in your groove. And I think we realize different things at different times in our recovery, right? Like you did, did you always know that everybody just liked you and you were fine? And oh no. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Oh no. no. Right. No. So like we evolve as human beings, right? Our soul has to evolve or we go sideways. That's, I mean, that's how I feel. That's what I've seen is yeah. that we have to continually like nurture ourselves. And this, this idea about, um, well-being or wellness, that is just like, just starting to emerge right now because of this, I think it's because of the pandemic and we've been under pressure for the past two years of really trying to teach people how to live a life of well-being, really try like helping them change the way they see the world, how they manage their emotions, how, you know, like drinking doesn't have to be an option. Like, well, there it is. We, we don't want to have to drink. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah. And I, I, know I, and you know, I feel like I need to explain that I don't judge people who decided that, that that's what they need to do, that they're cool with that. You know, I always take it back to, does this apply to me? Does, mm-hmm. Could this benefit me in mm-hmm. some way? I think that knowledge benefits me in the sense that, um, it just, the more I know, the more I realize, I don't know, you know, and, and I just, at the end of the day, I just love people. I want you to be happy. If that, yeah. if that floats your boat, then God bless you. Go do it. I have no, I have stopped trying to figure out what is good for you. Like I can just like present some ideas and you do you. I mean, yeah. I love you. Let's keep rowing the boat together. Let's just stay connected. Let's stay like, I like the whole unity thing. Like if that's what you got to do, then that's fine. And as we were talking about it, I was thinking, oh yeah, I do have a few friends that drink still, but um, yeah, I don't care. Like it doesn't, it's not part, it doesn't come up. It's not an issue. So mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Did I just derail the conversation? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of just reflecting on, you know, making a decision to say I'm not an alcoholic. Right. That's huge, but that's a big deal. It's a big deal. But I guess the conversation is always about just being honest with myself. Like that's, I need to stay in that present moment with myself. Yeah. At least help me out. I remember, I remember, uh, I don't know exactly. I was somewhere between eight and 12 years sober. I don't know, somewhere in there. It gets blurry. Um, Blurry in a different way, not blurry like before I was sober. <laughs> uh, that was real blurry. Um, but I remember I had I had I had flown to New York to to visit my sister and took her to a Broadway show and dinner. And here I am being the big sister, thinking I'm doing all these great things that I can do because I'm sober and I put my life back together so now I can afford to treat my sister to these things. And we were we were at dinner and she's like, I I, I gotta ask you a question. Can you be honest with me? And I was like, Of course, like honesty is my name now. Right. And she was like, have you really, have you really not drank any alcohol this whole time? Really? And I was crushed, crushed because I was just like, 
you still think I'm lying? Right? After all these years, I don't even know why I'm getting teary now. And it's just like, but of course, she has every right to question that. Because for 30 years, all I did was lie. So just because now I've tried to mostly not lie for the last decade and a half, I should, that doesn't necessarily wipe away the fact that I was such a liar. And I, that's still a chunk of truth to swallow, right? And she's also my sister. So she knows my true nature is to want to lie, right? I just want to lie. And so I, but I just remember being so hurt in that moment because I was like, what else do I have to do to prove it to you, right? But she just honestly wanted to know. And thankfully, I could honestly tell her, no, I have not, you know? Um, and I could have, we all could sneak it a million different times, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I think this goes back to what you were originally saying at the very beginning, like, honesty shows up in different ways. It's paying your bills. It's doing this, it's doing that. But it really, when you start being honest with yourself, such a huge shift happens. And that doesn't come, at least for me, it didn't come in the first year. It didn't come in the first two years. It took time. And that's the funny thing about time is you can't buy it. You can't get it faster than somebody else gets it. Right. It's time. Just time just takes time. Time takes time. Look, I even have it on my shirt. <laughs> time takes Check time. out the merch. We got some merch. <laughs> Over at the Sober Curator. Oh, time takes time. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's freeing. All I know is that today uh, I have to live an honest life. Um, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to hurt people. Right. So for me, honesty has to be woven through my activities. It has to be woven through my thoughts and the way that I think. It has to be woven through my relationships and through the conversations that I have with others. Uh, I think we had talked earlier about the people that we put ourselves around and the relationships that we build. They have to be honest. Um, I can't really have anybody co sign my bullshit. At this stage of the game, it doesn't really work. Any closing thoughts, my friends? Thank you so much for having us for this conversation. And I love how it kind of went, you know, in different directions. And I was, I was going to say, um, I feel like the way I'm honest in relationships shows up, you know, my codependency was rooted in lies, mm. right? Like I wasn't, I feel like to have real uh, intimate relationships. I have to be honest about who I am and what I want and what I need and, and things like that. And those are still things that I struggle with to some extent today. You know, if I get my feelings hurt, it's, it's, I have to question, do I be honest about how I feel? You know, what are my motives that, you know, that self kind of honesty in that regard. Um, but that's where honesty shows up in relationships for me these days, it's, it's in relationship and it starts with self-honesty, like you were saying. So it was such a good, such good food for thought. Yeah. Very good. Closing thought, Jess, Jesse. Um, yeah, this has been fascinating and I'm, I'm grateful that I could come here and share my 
voice and uh, my perspective on things. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a deep conversation for sure that can go on for a really long time. And <laughs> yeah, I'm just really grateful today. Like for myself, the way I, I'm honest with myself is by not abandoning myself. And that's by speaking my truth, which I would have held back and had just a conversation, which is a people pleasing conversation. And, you know, I can't do that today. The world Mm -hmm. can't afford it in my opinion Mm -hmm. now. So Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, really grateful that you've created this and curated this. So thank you for this discussion. Yes. I can't imagine having like a, uh, like a one-sided conversation, right? Like just only showing this side of me to you. No, that wouldn't feel very good. And it wouldn't be of service. Just like you were saying, it wouldn't serve any purpose. I appreciate that. Elise, any closing comments, thoughts? Oh, I just love being part of this conversation um, every month because I, I, I love talking with people at all walks of their recovery journey, sober journey, whatever that looks like for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but it's talking with people with time. It's different, yeah. right? Um, because our, our, we have long, we, we have different experiences. It's, mm-hmm. I liken it to when you run into someone who graduated high school the same year as you did, right? Whether you went to the same high school or not, you remember the popular songs, you remember the clothing, you immediately have a bond if you know that you were in the same class of whatever the year is, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I meet someone who's got 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, 30 years, um, I, I identify with them and, and I'm able to share struggles that I have with them. There's a different connection that happens versus when I'm talking to someone that has six months or one year or two years. Now, trust me, the people with one year sober will still rock my boat and, and they will still spout words of wisdom that I'm like, damn, I need to hear that. Right. <laughs> so true. So it's all good. It's all, it's all good. But, um, but that is one of the gifts of the pandemic is being able to get online and find more people in long-term recovery because we kind of are unicorns, right? Especially because we we grew up in, there's old sobriety and new sobriety. That's definitely mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. There's a shift happening. We talked about it a lot today. Yeah. And and I, and I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of it, meaning my, my, my foundation, my roots are old school but I'm open to the new school and I'm trying to figure out how I can make both of those work for me, right? Um, So it's just a really interesting time. um, And I love connecting with all of you. Beautiful. So uh, time takes time and honesty is a way of living that improves the quality of our lives. And I encourage you to just sit still today and consider perhaps Where might you be more honest? And you don't even have to take action on that. You can just consider it for the day and then maybe tomorrow and then the next day. And then maybe uh, if that place is hard, you can ask for help to make change in your life. Uh, It's been an honor and a pleasure to hang out with you today. Thank you all for being here. With time takes time. We'll see you again next time. Bye for now. And that's a wrap. And thanks so much again for hanging out with us. I love these episodes. I hope you love them as much as I do. Please share with five of your friends and leave a review over on iTunes. Sign up for the Ocean of Yum. It's waiting for you. You can find out more at lanekennedy.com forward slash Ocean of Yum. I'll see you next time. Take good care.